Welcome to Nexus Church Online. Today we'll be sharing with you a message from our Sunday service this week that I believe is going to impact your life. If you want more information about Nexus Church or what we do here, if you want to follow us on Facebook, uh, just check out Nexus Church Thief River Falls and we will pop up on Facebook as well as going to nexuschurchmn.com and you can find all the information online as well. We thank you for joining us and we pray that God will bless you and show you his favor this week. Well, here we are on our final week on our intro to the book of Mark, where we have been investigating Jesus' beginning of his ministry and many times where he called out to his followers to follow him. And today we're closing down this intro to this series by examining kind of three different interactions that Jesus had with the religious elite that I've called them. Now, the religious elite really came down to three different groups, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes. And they all kind of were very similar, but had different beliefs, if you would, if you would call them different denominations of Judaism. And so today, uh, we're going to be kind of looking at a fairly lengthy section, and we won't be able to uh, really pinpoint a very specific call in this message, a very pointed call to action. But there are so many things that we could take from this passage. And and really the overarching theme of this section, if we want to boil it down to one thing, is, is Jesus looks out for the best of us and his kingdom. And that's really what this all comes down to. It's not about religion. It's not about rules or following a law. See, Jesus came and he fulfilled them all. And he established a new way. A way where he would come and invade our hearts, invade our lives. And we, in turn, would give our lives to him. It's not about following rules. It's about giving our hearts and our lives to him and allowing him to have control. And so it looks vastly different than having to follow a bunch of direct rules. And we will be seeing that in today's passage. And and really, if if we can get one thing out of it today, it would be that God would get our hearts. And so that is my prayer for you today, that that God would get your heart, that your hearts would be open to what He wants for you. And so today we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. And then we're going to go all the way through uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 6. So a little bit bigger section than what we're accustomed to, but I believe it's very powerful. Now, last week we left off in, of course, Mark chapter 2, verse 17, right before verse 18 that we're going to look at today. And, And last week we really saw that Jesus coming in and caring, caring about a guy who was crippled, but not just was he crippled, he couldn't walk, he was a paralyzed man, but he was also spiritually crippled. He was far from God, and, and Jesus wanted to come and invade his heart, and he did. He allowed him to, and he walked away, not just physically healed, but spiritually healed as well. And Jesus really addressed the Pharisees and the scribes in that passage and, and, and really challenged them to trust him, to open their eyes 
beyond what their thoughts were, beyond what they expected Jesus to be. And, and really, we were challenged, every single one of us, to have an open heart and to see the lost, see those who are far from God and care about them, go to them and bring them to Jesus, just like these friends of the paralyzed men brought their friend to Jesus. And so now, if we will, going off of what we learned last week, let's continue on in in this account of Jesus. And so now, in verse 18 of chapter 2 of Mark, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, the wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. Interesting. They didn't fast. I just want to pause there because then we go to the next section very quickly with not much transition. They were not fasting. Jesus was with them, right? There would be a time when his followers would mourn his loss and and no longer have their Savior with them. But in just a brief moment, of course, they would receive the Holy Spirit as a replacement, as a gift that Jesus wouldn't just be with them, he'd be within them. But for this moment, before that day of mourning would come, Jesus looks out and says, we don't have anything to fast for. We don't have anything to mourn about, to, to, to prepare for. We are in the midst of God, and we will celebrate. It's a time of work, a time of pleasure, a time of excitement and the move of God. And so then he continues and says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new patch pulls away from the old cloth and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins. And the wine is lost as well as the skins. No new wine is put into fresh wineskins. You see, Jesus came to make all things new. And that's what he's saying here. I am a new way. We don't put this newness on old. No, this is like really hammering into those religious elite who are were relying on the Old Testament, relying on the Old Law, relying on the prophets. And, well, their version, anyhow, of what the prophets in the Old Testament was, they had their own man-made version of it and that they were following strictly, diligently every day. Jesus says, I'm not, I'm establishing something new. I'm not going to put myself over this old stuff. I'm, I'm creating a new way. Open your eyes. See it. It's exactly what the prophets foretold. Uh, There would be a new way, a new passionate way of following God. It doesn't rely on rules, but on a heart change, on a Savior coming and doing everything that we couldn't do on our own. That is following perfectly what God established in the Old Testament. And so Jesus creates this new way. The old had its time. It's time for something new. 
And maybe that's what you're feeling like today, man. You know, this past year, maybe the past decade, maybe the past couple of weeks, you've just, it's just, you're dreading everything. You go to work and you just, you can't even fathom waking up the next morning and doing it all again. It's old. It's done. And Jesus says, that's not the way of the master. That's not the way of the Savior. I have come to make things new. I've come to give life, to give hope. It's new. Today's a new day. And maybe you need that today. Maybe today you're just in the dumps and you need a reminder, a fresh reminder from God. I'm not done yet. In fact, I've come to make things new. And so, so stop looking to the past. Stop looking to yesterday. Look forward. Have hope again. Have belief again that I am real and that I'm not done yet. Even, even if you can't see it, would you believe it? Will I believe it? You see, this past year has done a lot to, to keep our hope from being alive to keep our expectation that God's going to do something. And as we look at how the government's going and, and where things are treading in our society, we are left with, God, how can you move? Everything seems to be shifting towards anti-God, anti-church, uh, anti anti-freedoms for thoughts and religion and faith. How can you move in that, God? We put God in this box because this is how we've always done it, much like the Pharisees. This is how faith is lived out. This is how we, we rule in a land. This is how the church is run. This is how faith is lived. And, and Jesus is saying today, don't get stuck. Don't get stuck in this, this pattern Pharisees, Sadducees, stop. Stop following your old traditions and, and, and look with new eyes. Open up your heart. Let me move again because I'm not done. I'm constantly moving. I'm constantly creating. That's what the creator does, right? The universe continues to be created as we speak because the speed of light continues. It doesn't stop. God created it. He is still moving. He is still creating. He's do, still doing things new every day. And we have to have hope in that. Even if we don't see it, have hope today. Well, continuing on, it just keeps getting better. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain the Pharisees said to him, I just, I, if I was Jesus, I would have just backhanded them. Like, how, would you guys leave me alone? Do you have to always be around me? You guys are antagonistic, negative. I've had enough of your garbage. You're dragging us all down. You're pointing fingers. You're death. No matter where we go, there you are, death, just waiting around the corner. And so they said, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? 
He said to them, have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not law for anyone to eat except the priest, and also gave some to his companions? Then he told them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. We'll come back to the whole Sabbath part, but oh my goodness. This is going back to, if you want to reference it later, I'll save you the time. This is going back to 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. And I'll read it briefly for you. We won't go into it too in-depth. I just really found it important that, that we at least read it so that you can put this into context. And then we'll just kind of just take Jesus' paraphrase of it and apply it to, to what he's trying to say. Maybe what he's trying to say today. So 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. So David went to the priest Ahimelech at Nob. Ahimelech was afraid to meet David, so he said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? David answered the priest Ahimelech, The king gave me a mission, but he told me, Don't let anyone know anything about the mission I'm sending you on or what I have ordered you to do. I have stationed my young men at a certain place. Now, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever can be found. Okay, so he's on the run, right? David is on the run. All that to say, he's kind of hiding some stuff. He's just on the run. He's, he's running for his life from his enemy, okay? And they're hungry. In fact, who knows if they didn't get food, whether they would live much longer. We don't know. But they were hungry. And so the priest told them, there is no ordinary bread on hand. We got nothing <laughs> except for what is holy unto God, right? So let's continue. However, there is consecrated bread, but the young men may eat it. Only they have kept themselves from women. David answered him, I swear that women are being kept from us as always when we go out to battle. The young men's bodies are consecrated even on an ordinary mission. So, of course, their bodies are consecrated today. So there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from the presence of the Lord. When the bread was removed, it had been replaced with warm bread. So David's running from King Saul, his enemy. His men that are with him, are, they're, they're hungry. The only thing that they can eat is what's not lawful for them. And so then Jesus says that David entered the house of God and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. You see, the laws weren't meant to be restrictive and constrain us and beat us down. They were meant for our liberty, for our protection. And so what he's saying here is that human need is greater than some kind of religious ritual. See, God cares about us He's not so much cared about, are we following everything perfectly? He wants to know, are we willing to do whatever is required of us? 
Are we willing to lay our lives down? Are we willing to follow God no matter what? And so he's looking at these, these, these religious elites, and he's saying, my men are hungry. My men are hungry. We're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but if they don't eat, they're going to be angry. They're going to be famished. My men can eat. My men can eat. Why are you restraining them? Why are you beating them down? This is not what the law was supposed to be. This is not what God is. You men have messed it up. You have driven people away from you. You you see, he says that earlier. You're just, you're causing others to fall away from God. You're beating them up, tearing them down, and they feel like they can't go in the presence of God. I have come to establish a new way, a heart that is rendered to me, that follows after me with everything it's got. That's why I've come. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? So in verse 1 of chapter 3, we finish off. Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a shriveled hand. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on a Sabbath. So there they are again, just, oh, I can't wait. We're, oh, we're just writing every single thing Jesus does down that is not right and does not follow our traditions. Now here they're going to have another opportunity. I wonder what they were at at that point. 5,453? <laughs> like, come on. And so there was the man with a shriveled hand. And he told the man, stand before us. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? What is it, guys? Right? Like, this is it. What is it? Would you rather have me send him off and never touch him again because... I can only heal today, and this is it. I'll never see him again because we're moving out tonight. Would you rather me do that? Or would you rather have me heal him? What's greater in God's eyes? If you're so knowledgeable and so good, where's that dividing line? Where's that gray where you step over from good to bad? But they were silent. And after looking around at them with anger, anger, it's not our kind of anger. This was a, a sorrow. This was a kind of anger where it's like, you're just not going to get it. You're just not going to get it. And I'm going to leave here today and you are going to continue to take people down with you. But not only was he angry, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. And he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and his hand was restored. And immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might kill him. I just wonder. These, these religious elites, 
they, they were sold on killing him no matter what at this point, right? Like, they, they were done. And this was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back, and they were, that was it. We're done. We're going for sure now. But as they, you just got to wonder, right? What, what was the whole deal? Was it because they were jealous? Because it was that, that Jesus was, was creating all these followers and they hadn't created anyone who wanted to follow them because of their stuffiness, their idleness, the lack of the move of God. Like, was that what it was? I mean, let, let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 58. I think this might clarify some things for us today. Now, this was, of course... <laughs> a response to where Israel was at in the time of their captivity in Babylon, right? They had fallen away from God, and, and God allowed the, the enemy to come in and, and take them away to the foreign land and, and make them slaves and servants, and, and their whole identity was pretty much wiped away. And they had been mourning over this, the loss of their place of worship, their, their only place of connection with God. They were mourning that. And so, this was a response from God. He says, cry out loudly, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Right? This is exactly where, when Jesus walked the earth, this is where the people of Israel were again. See, but the difference was, is this time, they weren't trapped in a foreign land far away, they were trapped within their own borders. They were being ruled by a foreign enemy now, the Romans, who were calling the shots, taxing them ridiculously, causing them to have to follow all their traditions and rules. And I always have to look around their shoulder, are we doing things right? Are we doing things right? And so the, in the day of Jesus, God had stopped moving once again in their land. And so this parallels so perfectly with what we read in Isaiah 58. So we continue. They seek me day after day, and they delight to know my ways like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God. They ask me for righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. You see, they, they thought in Jesus' day that they were following God diligently righteously, perfectly. And so then they ask, why have we fasted, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast, and you oppress all your workers. No, now here's, here's God, right, responding again. You fast, but you don't Treat your people rightly. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist, right? This is what they were doing to Jesus. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself and to bow his head like a reed and to spread out his sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast that I choose here it is, to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free. See, the religious elite, what were they doing? They were oppressing others. They were causing them to, to fit into their view of how to live for God. It wasn't what the Bible said. It was their version 
of what the Bible said. God wanted the oppressed to be free and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? To bring the poor and homeless into your house? To clothe the naked when you see him and to ignore your own flesh and blood? Then your light will appear like a dawn. Right? And God's like, you're living a so-called religious perfect life, but you're forgetting about everybody else. You're trying to make yourself look good and stomp on everybody else. God says, if you do that, then your light will appear like the dawn and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go up before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. At the time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, He will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and the malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. That's what Jesus came to do. And when he looks at the religious elite and he sees them just scathing with anger and resentment for what good Jesus was doing, caring for his followers, feeding his followers, right? Celebrating with those who would come in and get healed and restored physically, emotionally, relationally, and most importantly, spiritually. That's what Jesus came and he did. He was, he was bringing life. He was bringing hope. He was bringing joy again to the nation of Israel. And these religious elite who had established this, this very strict order and way to follow after God, they were being oppressed, at least internally, because they weren't propped up as the ultimate heroes anymore. They were cut off at the knees and shown to be who they really were, selfish, selfish God is saying to them, in this instance, Jesus is saying to them, he's saying to us, I've come to set men free to restore the hope of Israel that God moves, that God is here and he cares for you. You see, maybe you're going to look around next year at this time, and if I were to preach this message again, you'd be like, didn't you say that last year? That God wants to come and, and release the oppressed and set the captives free to heal and to cleanse and to restore us. Why hasn't that changed? Why are we still dealing with this pandemic a year later and God hasn't changed things? How many people have prayed that prayer? Oh, God, heal our land. Get rid of COVID tomorrow in Jesus' name. We believe for a healing. Why hasn't he done that? I would say to the religious elite who question God and, and say in their heart, get out of here. We don't want you. We want our lives to be perfect. We want to be the ones who look like the hero. And I would look at everybody who questions the goodness of God and I would tell them today, God cares. He isn't going to necessarily heal us of a disease that's physically. He wants to heal us of the disease internally, spiritually with Him. 
He wants to set us free that no matter what we face, whether it's COVID-19 or some crazy thing of oppression that we haven't even seen in our lifetime, God wants to look down on us and say, I have come to set you free from all of the attacks and oppression that come against you. You can live in this horrible nation that we live in. If you want to call it horrible, I would definitely call it far from horrible because we have so many freedoms that nobody else has in this world. But however you view it, whatever you're facing today, however horrible it might be for you, you can live in this state that you're in with either a mind of freedom in Christ or of depravity. Knowing that you could have it better and you don't. Jesus came to set you free from that mindset. That mindset of negativity, pessimism. It's not good enough. You are free. You are free. Don't get locked up into this mindset that our religious elite had in this story. Where God wants to come in. God wants to move. Jesus set his Holy Spirit into our lives to to move powerfully among us. And I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you today. Will you open up your heart? Will you see what God sees? Will you feel what God feels? And will you believe that he's not done? That greater things are in store. And the greatest of all is you have the ability to make a difference in this world. You have the ability to bring hope to this world. You have the Spirit of God living in you today to continue what He started many years ago. And so today, will you do that? Will you stand up no matter what you're facing? You could be physically just beat up right now. The ailments could be just dragging you down. Maybe maybe you don't have long to live and you're just like, so, so just tore up inside. Maybe somebody you love just left you and you're, you're feeling just absolutely depleted. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you today? He's not done. This may be the hardest part of your life. Maybe, maybe hope is just around the corner if you grab onto Jesus and ask him, will you help me to see what you see? To feel what you feel. And to move forward in the freedom that you have for me. God, I ask for, for my friends who are listening today. I ask that they would once again turn from, from the things in this world that are dragging them down, beating them up. The enemy wants to, to seek, kill, and destroy No matter how good their life is or how bad their life is, he wants to make it worse. He doesn't want to make it better, and it all is in our mind. And he continues to to fight against our minds, to, to hold us captive in negativity, in depression, anxiety, and anger. But you, you have come to set them free. And I pray that for every person now, in Jesus' name, you would set them free, you would bring them hope, and they would turn their eyes to see you again. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Nexus Church family, we'll see you again soon.